It's December 11, 2016. Oops. It's December 11, 2016. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We certainly hope everyone stayed safe since our last show, especially those here in the upper Midwest that are getting pummeled with a snow blizzard. Please be careful if you have to go out into this dangerous winter weather. Okay, let's get to our announcements. Uh, And we're serious about that. You know, we don't want to sound like we, you know, just glaze over that. It's bad out. If you have to go out, if you're in the upper Midwest, you really need to rethink that because it's it's pretty rough out there. Um, So anyhow, but let's get to the announcements. Uh, The Honeywell members uh, represented by Local Union 9 of the UAW remain locked out after recently rejecting their latest tentative agreement. Uh, Number two, unfortunately, there was a worker at the Dearborn stamping plant that was burned on the job last week. Our thoughts and prayers are with that member as well as the family and friends. Number three, it appears the coal miners are under very serious attack, and it appears they're going to be losing their pensions and their health care benefits, sadly. Thank you, Congress. Number four, in the lame duck session of the Republican-controlled Michigan legislature, the Michigan Senate took up the issue to eliminate defined pension plans for teachers, police, and firefighters. On Tuesday this past week, there was an opposition rally to that at the Michigan Capitol, and the Republican-controlled legislature decided not to pursue that proposed legislation any any further. Congratulations to any and all involved and chalk up a victory for labor this time. Jeff will have some more about that later on in the show. Uh, Our fifth announcement. Uh, Yesterday, December 10th, is the fourth anniversary of the right to work in Michigan. This simply needs to be reversed. It's unacceptable that Michigan has a right to work state and working team working for a living caucus aspires to do that and will do that once put in in office number seven police were called into the Wentzville plant due to a suspicious object found in the basement turned out to be a PVC pipe with some wires attached Also, it was reported that threats were found on the bathroom walls. To reiterate, team working for a living does not in any way condone violence of any form, to be sure. I want to number eight. uh, Pinned at the top of working for a living Facebook page is a post regarding a safety pin. It seems that something as simple as a household safety pin has become the symbol for racial tolerance. And the post encourages everyone of tolerance to wear a safety pin prominent on their clothing to express their views. Number nine, special happy birthday wish to all whose birthday is today. I'm sure you folks out there know who you, 
who you are that have a birthday today. <laughs> Happy birthday. Uh, emails. Um, we received many emails expressing happy holiday wishes to teamwork and for a living caucus. We want to thank each of you who took your precious time to send those in. There's just too many to, to uh, go ahead and uh, name uh, in this sh short of a show. But thank you to everybody who did that. Um, uh, you know, we're getting close to the holiday season, and as people put their cards together, they took a minute and sent us an email. So thank you. Again, our email address is working for a living at workingforaliving.com. And again, there's no G's on the words, and four is a number. So, uh, so up next is this week in worker news. But before we get to that, uh, we have, you know, we like to get a quote in. This one uh, is from, uh, let's consider one of his quotes. It's from James McCullough a two-time state football champion and one-time Big Ten football champion. The man knows how to win, and he's associated himself with people who know how to win. So his quote is, you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse. Let me say that again. You can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse. And from where we're sitting, that seems pretty relevant. <laughs> so, a little fun on that one. Uh, let me bring on the uh, co-hosts, both uh, Jeff Brown and David. Let me say hi to Jeff first. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, uh, we've got a lot of snow going on up here in the upper Midwest, and it's uh, been pretty treacherous out there. I, I had a little... Uh, as you know, I uh, had to be out in the weather today myself because I was wrapping up some issue with my vehicle. Uh, my car was totaled on Friday in a non-personal uh, injury uh, um, accident. Nobody was hurt. The car got um, quite a bit of damage on it, and it was a glancing uh, well, and then the roads were dry still on Friday, and of course I've been dealing with that ever since, and uh, had to do some more tightening that up a little bit today. So I was out in the weather, and I tell you, it's about 40 miles an hour uh, limitation out there. So if anybody's out there listening to us, and you happen to be on the road, you know, if you're in the upper Midwest, this is this is nasty stuff, and. As they put the salt on it, it's going to get, you know, like grease. So be careful out there. Be very, very careful. Let me say hi to uh, uh, David Fillion. Hi, David. How you doing? Oh, good. How you doing tonight, Larry? Pretty good. Yeah, we got through this the past few days. Uh, okay. We got a little, little uh, change of uh, uh, scenery around here as far as the vehicle. Move, move one into another, and of course we bought brand new American-made vehicle. So uh, General Motors product. Well, I guess it's probably uh, many of the parts are made in in America, the, the powertrain, et cetera. But the vehicle is actually made in Canada, I think. But uh, very nice vehicle, and we're happy to have it. And uh, so we're uh, 
you know, I've been a Chevy person my whole life, and I, I guess I've had a couple of Oldsmobiles, but uh, these are these are nice vehicles they're putting out these days, all the bells and whistles on it. So, uh, thanks for asking. And uh, you, your week was okay then, David? Yeah, um, is it right? Okay. Um, today was uh, probably not one of the better days. We got all that 10 inches of snow and then some probably. Um, heavy wet stuff. Took me a while to uh, remove it. Yeah, yeah. Well, my back isn't happy. <laughs> yeah, you you have all that equipment out there, though. It does a lot of it. But it's still yeah. Shut the some of it, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. Side um, So, yeah. So uh, let's get into the reports. I think uh, Jeff is first up. Jeff, you want to jump in here and give your report for us this evening? Sure. Why not? Hey. We have that, you mentioned that pin on top of our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you happen to know the origin, reason why that was uh, put up, the original idea for it? I don't know the original idea. I know you found the post, and you found yeah, it that, and posted it. I don't know the original the, idea. Uh, the original idea you? started in World War Two. Um, in Germany, um, there were some German really? citizens who were trying to help the German Jews out of the country. And one way they did it by is wearing a white rose on their lapel pin, on the lapel of the jackets. Mm-hmm. That meant that they were too friendly, and that was the only way you could recognize them. And uh, so the idea of the pin came along through that white rose uh, link in, in the uh, World War II. That's where all this came from. So it was very successful. They, get, they got a lot of uh, people out of Germany using that white rose. Yeah. So... Hopefully okay, we don't my, have to do that again quite so bad. But thank you for finding that post and making that post, Jeff. That's a very, very important thing for us to be thinking about doing wearing that safety pin. So thanks again. I have I have pins on all my jackets right now. So Good. thanks for I the backstory on that. Yeah. That's really amazing. You know, I knew there was a lot of stories in World War II that weren't published, and that was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good thing. Okay. I'm going to do some uh, talking about pensions. Mm-hmm. This last week has been really in the news about people losing their pensions. It's probably the busiest week we've had since the election, newsworthy-wise. Um. We have U.S. Senate Republic or Congress Republicans looking to shut down the government over coal miner pensions and health care. Uh, it seems that the coal miner union uh, went broke during the 2007-2008 financial crisis. And I've got two different stories here 
one story said there were 16,000 retired miners affected, and another article, uh, another source said there was 120,000 uh, retirees looking to lose their um, pensions and health care. I don't know when this is going to stop. It's been happening all over. It's not right. These people work for their pensions and health care, and they should keep, be able to keep them. Uh, just another attack on the working class. We have another story coming out of Minnesota where a U.S. congressman, a Republican congressman, is um, mo- changing the rules for the Multi-Employer Pension Reform Act. He brought it up this week in a backroom deal, and it looks like they're going after the Teamsters Central Region pensions again. Now, we just won that victory earlier this year. Um, they had went around to Teamsters Central Region and had meetings, town hall meetings with people in every state in the region, uh, Pennsylvania or Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri. Um, they were the only ones who would be affected, and that was due to the Teamster, Teamster President James Hoffa, who was head, headlining this one, because they run the... Uh, health care and pensions for the Teamsters. Luckily, we got that defeated, but it looks like it's coming back for round two. I hope not, because I had played a big part on that for my family members who were Teamsters, retired and pensions. Um, Michigan, the state of Michigan, was going to hit teachers policemen and firefighters on their pensions. But two days later, they backed off that idea and decided not to do that. Hopefully, they will not do it in the future. Who knows what this government, um, they seem to like to screw over our working class people. Um, So that's about all I got, Leroy. It's just, it's not right. People well, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Pensions. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. It's uh, it appears that pensions uh, on people that worked their whole life to try and establish pensions and money was supposed to be set aside to fund those pensions are now under attack because people want the money. These are large sums of money that are set in these pension funds, and these right. people just want to steal it. They just want to steal it. I mean, there's, you know, a number of cases. We had a, a packing company in in uh, Owasso, I guess it was, Farmer Pete, that uh, very famous baseball player went in and bought the company and and stole all the, the money out of the pension funds. Uh, I believe he actually went to jail behind all that. Oh yeah, so that was getting people can't go to. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say any names, but yeah, it was, you know, the World Series champion uh, did that. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's the truth. I mean, we, you know, we report the truth. Sometimes we try to avoid some controversy, but, you know, it's it was him, you know, and that's sad. And 
and it's you know it's almost uh, too sad that some of these people that are doing it legally now can't be put in jail. Uh, so um, it's, uh, it's a, a few years ago, yeah. I found a picture of the '68 Tigers team mm-hmm. team picture in black and white. It wasn't supposed to be published um, because it had Denny McLean and John Hillier on the top row of the, of the group, and they were mm-hmm. giving the cameraman the finger while photographing it. Well, I bought yeah. this picture, and McLean happened to be in my area signing autographs. Well, I had a lot of other Tigers sign that autograph, that picture, too. And they asked me where I got it, and they said that wasn't supposed to be published. But anyway, McLean was there. I got his autograph on it. He was trying to sell his book for $30. It was titled, I Never Told You I Was Perfect. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. bought the book. Mm -hmm. uh, It's just, you know, why would we try to give him more money? Yeah. Yeah. We already know what what his baseball career was like. Why do you uh, why would you reward despicable behavior? Right? Yeah. yeah. He had ties with the mob and everything else. So. Yeah. He used to play organ up on North Dort Highway in, in Flint. I can't remember the name of the uh, little bar there, Shorthorn, I think it was. Uh, yep. It's long since gone. Yeah, it's long since gone. There was the Shorthorn. Uh, but it's... Uh, um, you know, he went in there and played, uh, you know, every weekend for a long time. I guess he was good at that. I, de- I never went in to see him. I didn't have any regard for him. But, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, pensions aren't just attacked currently, under attack currently. You know, we have an appeal ongoing about our own Detroit 3 pensions, at least the General Motors one. Some of the other ones weren't filed. Uh, one, because it wasn't an issue. We didn't catch the issue on the first one. And the other, other one didn't get filed because people just didn't file it. But General Motors has filed it, and we have broadened it to try and uh, include all, any and all under this uh, pension language. But this is... They, they put... The Pension Protection Act of 2006, I know you're well aware of this, Jeff, but just for the Uh listeners so that they know, uh, they put the Pension Protection Act of 2006 that the UAW opposed in 2006. They've uh, put the important parts of that in black letter print into the agreement between General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler and the UAW in each one of those agreements. And essentially this says if the funding falls below, of course in the case of General Motors, let's preface this by saying that General Motors has been relieved of putting money in any plans after 2008. So if the funding then falls below 80%, they cut pension by 50%. Falling below 60% of funding would eliminate the pension. And because it's in the agreement, 
and agreed to and voted upon by the people, active workers in, in the plants. This is now in black letter print on appeal, however. Hopefully this appeal will be successful. There's every retiree in the country has a vested interest in this. And if it's not, we're in serious trouble because this is in black letter print in the agreement. There will be no, like the Teamsters, there will be no going to the Department of Treasury and saying, hey, we asked for special dispensation. Let's let's abate this for a while until we can try and iron it out. That's not going to happen in the case of the UAW General Motors, UAW Ford, UAW Chrysler, FCA. This is just going to be an automatic cut of the pensions because it's part of an agreement, not legislation. And if the legislation gets changed in the future by sane people, it's still in our agreement, voted upon and approved by the current administration who negotiated it. Members approved it, but the current administration negotiated this. There's not a retiree in the country that ought to support them, the current administration. Not a single no. one. So, so there's a lot of unhappy people uh, around the on the country. Yeah. yeah. No, Jeff, there are two of those pension appeals still active uh, that are at the public review board, both of them. I have written uh, the appeals forum at every step. And, of course, the appellant has graciously uh, agreed to what I've written, and it's pretty uh, strong language. And we're uh, at the oral argument level. We've requested oral argument. So that's the update on that one. They haven't declined it at this point that I know of. Uh, so we're we're still trying to get this uh, uh, defeated, you know, so that they have a re-election with, with one without that language in there. But for sure, uh, hopefully, that sane people will turn this down and that they wouldn't allow people that weren't in the pension plan as they did in, in this agreement, this last ratification of the agreement. They allowed people not in the pension plan to vote on the pension plan matters. And that's just simply wrong in every democratic principle ever uh, established by the UAW or by the, the uh, you know, United States as a democratic principle. So, but having said that, we have our own problems with pensions, and we're trying to fight that, just so that everybody knows. But this was a really bad week for an attack on pensions, and this is in the lame duck session, where right. who's in control of Congress and who's in control of the Michigan legislature, Jeff? Republican Party. Which party? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. So. Uh, having said that, that, David, do you have anything to add to Jeff's report? Yeah, as you know, um, we discussed um, my going to the rollout meeting um, when they rolled that out at our local. There were a group of uh, older retirees in waiting, um, asking many questions about the special nutrition program. 
Um, I waited for all of them to ask all their questions. And you and I had gone through all of the uh, issues in Appendix A and B. And when I began to ask my questions, I seen the look on their faces of that they were mortified that I would be asking these questions in front of these retirees and waiting. How will you fund the pension plan? How will you um, handle cutting the pensions of these of these retirees? And I, I was quickly taken off to the side and told by a young lady that all of my questions would have to be answered by the UAW's legal um, department. Have a nice day. So that's their opinion on it. They know it's there. Have their, did, they know did they, they agreed reach to out it. And answer, David, did they reach out and answer your questions? No. They, they asked for my telephone number and told me I would receive a call from the legal department that never came. They don't want to answer those questions. They know what they've because done. Because they're they embarrassed. Yeah. I would be embarrassed. They know what's wrong. Yeah, they're embarrassed by it. Yeah, they ought to be embarrassed by their own work. So, well, that's that's the but long and about, short of it, brothers and sisters and listeners out there. Go ahead, David. I didn't mean to cut you off. What they were most worried about were those retirees and waiting, sitting there listening to the questions I asked. They didn't want them to hear the truth. That's why they whisked me off to the side as quickly as they did. That they weren't answering properly, so that everybody could vote their their best interest. So, Too late now. Uh, okay. Anything else, David? No, that's it, Leroy. Okay. Well, thank you. That's thank you for your report, Jeff. Uh, that was uh, very very uh, important that we covered that what's going on this week, but also covered what's uh, also going on with our own UAW. Thank you, brother. Uh, David, you want to give your report now? I believe you have something uh, that's quite yeah. as, as interesting. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, the uh, UAW 2865 University of California students and workers will join in a walkout and direct action campaign beginning on January 20th, Inauguration Day. Um, I'll read some of this to you here. Dear members, we are at a historic crossroads. The current state of affairs has been under a Trump presidency will only increase in being unattainable for us and our loved ones. We must take action as students, workers, faculty, and staff against the racism, sexism, classism, homophobia, transphobia, exophobia, and ableism that Trump has normalized in this country, both structurally and rhetorically. We unwelcome him to office by pledging not to comply with any policies he and his supporters pass that would harm us or our loved ones. We are a broad and diverse union committed to social justice that works to unite the center. 
the needs and demands of many communities, including migrants, refugees, undocumented folks, workers, Muslims, poor people, indigenous folks, queers, trans folks, Chicanics, Latinics folks, Asian and Pacific Islander folks, Jews, women, survivors of sexual violence, labor activists, people with disabilities, people with public public education activists, civil rights activists, and many others. In these troubling times, we reiterate, and injury to one is an injury to us all. Many members of our union are part of struggles that have been centuries in the making against structures of white supremacy, exophobia, and colonial dispossession. In these years, we have witnessed the power of collective action as seen in movements such as the Movement for Black Lives and the Native American-led Campaign for Justice in Standing Rock. All students at our university have been affected by chronic defunding and privatization of public education in this country. All workers at our university have been affected by the insidious culture of right to work, a campaign supported by Trump that undermines workers' living wages, health care, and many other rights and protections, and making unions unable to function. While Trump talks about reforming trade deals ostensibly in order to help U.S. workers, we know he will not restore millions of his company's jobs back to the United States. We know he will not support a $15 minimum wage, and we know it will continue to be profitable for him to exploit documented and undocumented workers alike through dangerous poverty-level jobs. We must prepare for the anti-labor climate ahead, including direct threats to survival of our union, and we must fight back by centering an understanding of the intersections among labor exploitation settler colonialism, and white supremacy. UAW 2865 endorses the UCY walkout and direct action as an explicit refusal of these policies and structures based on hate and profit. Our labor and students and workers plays a key role in providing Trump with a material basis for his power in the presidency, most evident in the military research and production that takes place throughout UC campuses. This military research and production plays a critical role in the national economy and also lays the foundation for the state's monopoly on violence. And Trump is talking about mandating Muslims to register in a national database, deporting undocumented migrants, bringing law and order to inner cities, and bombing the shit out of them, he is talking about utilizing the machinery that is produced as a result of our own labor. We take action against the Trump administration and declare our noncompliance as long as he is in office. We say no. And what they are announcing. Thank you. It's working now. One, denounce Trump's government. Two, restore free education and state policies that enable racial segregation at all levels of education 
designate sanctuary school status to protect undocumented members of our community, grow and cut independent science funding, support for increased federal science funding, fully demilitarize UC campuses, fully divest from toxic UC investments, make the UC budget fully transparent, implement survivor-led process for holding people accountable who commit acts of gender-based and sexual violence, commit to providing free and accessible trans and reproductive health care, including abortion access to students and workers. Eleven, democratize the regions. Um, this document, um, there is an explanation for each of those 11 bulleted items. They're too lengthy to read on the show tonight. Um, this article um, is posted to workers or to uh, Workers for a Living. Um, you can view it there. And this document was produced by the UAW 2865 Joint Council. Your opinions. Thank you very much, David, for your report. Jeff, do you have anything you want to add to or discuss on that? No, Dave did a good job. Thank you, David. You're welcome. I see these workers at 2865 are some of our most militant workers in the UAW. Hello? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Where's Leroy, are you there? Oh, I wonder why that's the plant. Yeah, he must be on the phone with somebody called in. Uh, ah, yeah, my, probably. Somebody yeah. may be on the switchboard. There, when I talk to people about um, uh, what's going on in the UAW, they all seem to say, say the same thing. They have lost support, they have lost their trust, and they want something new to happen in our UAW. And it's just not my plan. It's people I've talked to around the country. Um, They're tired of of being uh, not represented by the leadership downtown. Uh, I see the same thing. Yeah. With many, with many of the workers, um, also see another fraction of the workers, and I kind of wonder, as we um, move from a corporate union to a workers union, um, this is going to be very difficult for the members who have embraced corporatism. Um, mm-hmm. We spoke about Stockholm syndrome um, two weeks ago. Um, that transition for them from corporate union to um, real worker union is going to be very difficult. Um, I hope that the transition will be, um, we can make that transition easier for them. That's what they want, yeah. 
That's what they want. Yeah. And it's not just our our union. It's things you get a message here from too. Yeah, sorry, so sorry, fellas, I lost signal. Uh, lost, you know, we have a lot of lot of snow going on here, so I lost my signal. Uh, so I apologize. Right mid mid sentence, you lost me. Um, oh, that's okay. Jeff and I yeah, were just uh, discussing um, what it was going to be like when we moved from uh, corporate union to worker union. Um, Mm-hmm. Many of our members uh, um, want a workers union, and then there's a good portion of them out there that suffer from Stockholm Syndrome that we discussed two weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about how hard that transition from corporate union to worker union is going to be for those folks. Um, hopefully we can make it easier on them. Yeah. By educating them. Uh, yeah. I was saying that you know all of us are are you know, when I got cut off. I mean that, that those points are real uh, pertinent, David. You know because it is going to be a transition from you know just Stockholm syndrome into activist or at least you know aware of your your uh, work environment and not just kowtowing to the corporation or um, dictatorial union leadership, totalitarian union leadership, let's put it that way, uh, as I corrected myself. Uh, the uh, issue that I was, when I lost signal, I was talking about that we're all union activists. Most of the people on the Facebook pages and and uh, certainly us here as Team Working for a Living Caucus Um Union activists, and we seem to be under attack. Even uh, our brothers at UC uh, California, University of California, uh, and sisters there, all know it. They all recognize that union leaders are under attack. It's one of the elements that they sought to try and protect, among a number of other things. And uh, I just wanted to take a second and read something. This is really interesting. Really, really, really interesting. You see, uh, somebody just sent me a message. Oh, oh, geez, we got some news coming. Lame duck alert. Hang on a second. We might have some kind of big news here. Oh, they passed this bill tonight. God help us. In the lame duck session... Thank you to our research team that sent this in, by the way. Uh, the GOP-led House passes voter suppression bill and bill to punish, this is the headline, uh, to punish labor protesters and unions. This was uh, a bill, House bills 60, 6,066 and 6,067 and 6,068. Um, we were aware that there was some in the, in the House, we got 46.30 and 46.43 aimed at workers who have the audacity to strike new punitive measures to all but silence peaceful labor protests. And this bill 
increases fines against picketers to $1,000 a person per day on a picket and $10,000 a day for an organization or union involved in a picket that is deemed to be an illegal mass picket. The bill passed is mostly party by a party line vote by 57 to 50. And that's basically saying the Republicans passed this. So this passed the, the, the House. We'll have to get into it more. But this is breaking news. It just got passed by the Michigan legislature. And it even gives more cogent what I was about to read. But if you go on strike and pick it, outside in public, as an individual, you will get a $1,000 per day fine. Even as your organization does anywhere. As an yep. organization, you will get a $10,000 per day fine. This just passed the Michigan legislature. And voter suppression, I'm not sure exactly what that is, I, we knew that other one was in the mix, but we didn't think they had the, the lunacy to pass something like that. I don't think it stands the test of the uh, 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 First Amendment, be able to uh, uh, free speech. We have, so, we have the right to, to gather. Yeah. Under not anymore, not in Michigan. If you're If you're picketing... They just passed legislation that they're going to find. It has to be challenged as unconstitutional. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be challenged. There's going to be a big challenge on that. So uh, everybody under the sun, I can imagine, is going to be coming in and making this, you know, this a test, a constitutional test. So let's see what the research department had. Another thing here. Come in. Uh, Yeah, that's what, uh, yeah, that's... uh, Jeez. Um, so the voter suppression is still a little, little. Uh, we don't have the full information on the voter suppression, uh, but it's very clear what they've just passed uh, that uh, will uh, cause a fine for individual and organization, thousand for uh, per day for individual and ten thousand for an organization per day. If you pick it, so uh, and this is what we're coming to, I guess, brothers and sisters. So, uh, listeners, uh, I was about to read something uh, because we were talking about union activists and how we we're coming under attack. Let me just read this. We must close union offices, confiscate labor or confiscate their money and put their leaders in prison. We must reduce workers' salaries and take away their right to strike. This was stated May 2nd, 1933 by a man named Adolf Hitler. Does that sound familiar to what just got passed by the Michigan Senate? House? Sure does. I always did refer to him as the Fuhrer. 
<laughs> well, yeah. I, I hope everybody that, that's out there, I'm going to remind somebody of something right now. Before 1935, unions didn't have legal standing. Unions in this country did not exist with legal standing. When in 1935, the Wagner Act was passed, today it's the first element of the National Labor Relations Act. When it was passed, it gave the right for workers to organize, elect their representatives, and for those representatives to collectly, collectively bargain upon their behalf. The other element that it uh, essentially produced was the National Labor Relations Board that overs with oversight for all of the above items I just named. Before 1935, it didn't exist. And you're seeing the very first vestige of this, vestiges of this by the Republican-controlled Michigan House to take away labor statutory protections. If they take away the Wagner Act, if they repeal it, it's been under attack some 500 times, but if they repeal it under a Republican House, Senate, and president, you cannot have a labor agreement because you no longer have standing as a labor union. And all of you brain trusts out there need to understand that. Y'all living pretty well. Apathy is set in. Everything is just fine. David, can you find the, the eight cycles of democracy in your at your ready and maybe read those if you can do that? Sure. So that everybody understands exactly where we're at with this. I know you have a little close there. I'm gonna mute myself. You can get so I can not do some typing here. That's fine. Yeah. David's gonna come back in a minute because he's been working on a project that it, he's he's got this uh, really close at hand, so uh, we'll ask him to bring in in that cycles of democracy. You all need to know exactly where we stand in our country. The cycles of democracy. I'm going to tell you a man by the name of Alexander Teitler studied all of the democracies across time in the early 1800s and came up with. There's eight cycles in every democracy. Okay, Larry. And David's going to... David, go ahead and read those for us, David. Thank you. From bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, from dependence 
back into bondage. Those are your eight cycles of democracy. So, complacency is way long since gone. Apathy, oh, we're just having a great old time. Nothing's going to happen. We don't have to be an activist anymore. Dependence means you're dependent on the government. We see a 47% of the people were told every day on Fox News about how people, 47%, qualify for welfare. That's dependence on government, largely because the, the, the largest employer in the country gives them a welfare application when they hire them. How about yeah. that one? Yeah, not because they're too lazy. This is just simply because they're not paying enough money and you qualify because your wages are too low. And then the last one, after dependence, is back to bondage, which is dictatorship. Unions are under attack right now. We saw it tonight happen to pick it. <laughs> yeah, take away their right to strike. You just did it tonight in Michigan. You can strike, but you can't pick it. And they'll put a striker replacements in there for you, permanent striker replacements. Yeah. Y'all think this is a game? Y'all think we're here talking about this stuff for our, to hear ourselves talk? No, we're not. This is serious, and there's attacks on all of us from people that shouldn't be attacking us, that ought to be representing us in better fashion. Put Pension Protection Act language that's damning to retirees in our agreement, other federal law has been put verbatim in our agreement. This, if it is allowed to stand, will simply take away and be automatic to cut your pension. And you all go, well, how could that happen? Because you weren't paying attention, because you've been in complacency, apathy. Some of us got to, some of our members have gotten to dependence, but they don't make enough money if they have a large enough family. They qualify for welfare. And now we're headed back to bondage, dictatorship. Hitler quote manifests itself tonight in the Michigan legislature. I don't care what party you're from. That's simply wrong. You all ought to wake up, figure out who's doing this to you. Everybody. Every person affected. We can't be complacent. We can't have apathy. We got to stop being dependent. We got to take a hold of this before it goes too much, too much farther. God bless the students at University of California for seeing what's going to happen and trying to do something about it. But if they're in Michigan, if they pick it, they'll get a thousand dollar a day fine now, and their local union will get a ten thousand dollar a day fine if they pick it. 
Wow, I'll tell you. Okay. Jeff, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's sad that a lot of our union brothers and sisters vote against their own interests. I seen earlier this afternoon where uh, the freedom of speech is being taken away from the students at Grand Valley State. They're, they are suing the school now because of that, the students are. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of our members voted for Mr. Trump due to one of the big issues was immigration. Um, immigration's been around for a long, long time. And they keep saying that the immigrants are taking away our jobs. That's bullshit. The immigrants aren't taking away our jobs. The company's giving those immigrants the jobs. They're not giving it to us because the company say we they don't want to pay a living wage. So our our brothers and sisters in the unions and non-union workers need to wake up to the fact that they are killing themselves by voting the wrong way. And it just irritates the hell out of me that these people don't understand that. I'm sorry. I'm about ready to go off. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. I I'm real close to it myself. After what just got passed tonight, again, we want to thank the research department for getting that to us. We really appreciate. It. We know you don't want your name out there, but uh, again, thank you for bringing that breaking news that just got passed here in Michigan tonight. And you can expect to see this is a six-year seasoned legislature that they've had power. It's one-party rule here. There's no Democratic anything. And the Republicans have on themselves unchallenged enough to go ahead and do this. I mean, you heard me speak of the fact that the UAW did not support replacing the AFL-CIO liaison to the legislature. They did not see fit to replace that person this past spring when the person retired. It's just sad that they have abrogated their authority. So um, we're getting along here. Uh, I want to go over our fourth There's point. There's your nod. Yeah, go ahead. David. There's your nod. I recently read uh, Eight Cycles of Democracy in a whole room filled with Republicans. Not one of them had the courage to look me in the eye. Sad. Yeah, that was on another issue. And the question was, is it progressive, conservative, or autocratic? And then you read that, those cycles of democracy to them, and they they couldn't look you in the eye. That's what you're referring to, and this is over composition. Of, uh, they just got uh, done board. That's, praying that's for partisanship. Yeah, for bipartisanship, right? Bipartisanship, correct. Yeah, yeah. Let's have bipartisanism and then have this. Well, maybe, maybe you know, saner minds will come to pass. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. So, 
So it's been an interesting show. I lost signal here for some reason earlier, and now this has gotten passed, and my goodness. Uh, so we apologize for my losing signal. But we do have, uh, is, is anything else on on this issue that we could uh, go forward with? Is there any more to discuss? Are you guys good? I think we're going right. to talk about it more after we know more about it. Yeah, we'll find out about the voter suppression, too. Uh, that wasn't out there in uh, the you know the media at all that I saw. Uh, I I did see the thousand dollar a day, ten thousand uh, dollar a day fine, but I didn't think they had the the, the <laughs> uh, you know the the willingness to go forward with something that's clearly unconstitutional. You know, so expression, you know. Uh, so, uh, let me just go after, uh, go over my report real quick, and I uh, want to talk about the uh, plank number four of Team Working for a Living Caucus. It seems to be more <laughs> relevant than we really intended it to be, given what's just happened here in the state of Michigan. Uh, Team Working for a Living Caucus. This is our fourth plank. Recognizes, protects, and will represent any and all persons. Again, team working for a living, caucus, recognizes, protects, and will represent any and all persons, regardless of race, religion, creed, color, sex, political affiliation, nationality, age, disability, marital status, sexual orientation, or we've added this to everybody else's list, socioeconomic status. Socioeconomic status. So uh, that's our fourth plank for everyone to understand what, who and what Team Working for a Living Caucus is about. Um, it is two minutes to eight. I'll be real brief on the carrier issue. The video that I uh, got this information from is no longer up, so I couldn't go back to verify, so I'm going to go from memory. Uh, it appears the United Steelworkers Local Union 1999 president came under Twitter attack by President-elect of the United States saying that he represented his members poorly, and that is a paraphrase because I don't have it exact from the, the video that I was watching. And part of that was an attack on him because the president of this local union, 1999, of the steelworkers, United Steelworkers, said there, Mr. Trump had said he saved 1,100 jobs. In the end, 800 are saved. There were 300, making a total for 1,100. But those salary, those were salary jobs, and they were not moving. They were never slated to move, according to this president. So there were 800 saved. There's some 530. I think he had an exact number, 531 or two. We'll round out to 530 because I'm going by memory here. Uh, so that's 530 are still going. So that's a total of 1330. 
1,330 jobs are at risk. Of that 1,330, 800 were saved. Now, simple math, okay, the president-elect saves 60%, 60.15%. Success. If you were to get a 60%, if you were going to college or high school or elementary school, you'd fail, wouldn't you? 60% is failing. Because he told us he'd try and keep all the jobs. Here we go. Thankful, thankful about the 800, but you got a 60%. Just keeping track here, you know. And as far as the local union president, not representing his members all that well, the company said they were going to save $62 million by going to Mexico. The local union president offered a roughly, again, I'm going from memory, $22 million concessionary package. $22 million concessionary package to keep all the jobs, not 60% of them, all of them. 60% is not enough. But the corporation said, your $22 million isn't enough for us. We're greedy and we want all $62 million. And the president said we'd have to work for $5 an hour with no benefits, no retirement, no health care at all in order to work, to give you your $62 million concession. Of course, that's what they're paid in the third world country that we have a poor NAFTA agreement with. We've talked about that. It should have been a sliding scale now, correct? Yeah. We talked about that some time ago. So they have national health care. We're supposed to be a first world country, and we don't have national health care. We sure would have liked to have Medicare for everybody in the country, but that didn't get passed because people in authority kowtowed and bowed down to the insurance industry so we didn't have national health care and true sense single-payer health care. But this president offered, let's see, this young local union president from local union 1999, well-experienced, offered $22 million and wasn't successful at saving a single job. Hence, the governor of Indiana offered $7 million, a third, less than a third of what this president from the local union offered, and they saved 800 jobs. So there must have been some back room, back door stuff going on to try and make somebody look good here because this local union president offered three times what Pence, the governor of Indiana, offered at $7 million. So I don't think this local union president did a bad job at all, given the fact that our legislature and executive branch and judicial branch at the federal level have allowed unfair competition into our country. And our jobs are being lost wholesaling. The local union president said, he's our president and we have to work with him. And we're going to work with him on issues that we have in common, like NAFTA. NAFTA is a serious issue, and we need to deal with it. 
and he had a couple of other issues off the top of my head. We'll just go with NAFTA right now. But he said that there's some other issues that we can work with this president on. Okay, so he's got some issues that he'd like to work with the president, but the president's out there trashing him. Let's work together. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was, you know, I reported here on our show, but I also um, had an opportunity to speak at, at our uh, township meeting, and we talked about statesmen and women. I did, and how they're not—they're all gone. There are none left. The President of the United States needs to be a statesperson, man or woman needs to be somebody that can reach across the spectrum of our country and represent each and every person without being demeaning at their own plight, having done their best. When you can only offer a third of what that person offered and then demean that president for doing it, it's wrong. President-elect Donald Trump you need to get a grip and start acting like a president of the United States, not some schoolyard bully. That's my report. Anybody got, Jeff, you got anything on that? Well, Trump's just too smart. He knows everything. He don't need to attend uh, meetings. Hmm. He just, he's a joke. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's going to be the yeah. ruin of this country. I don't think he's going to be in office very long, especially after the I don't know. this week's events with Russian ties. So we'll see. Maybe we're seeing history still, in the here this week. Well, we saw it tonight here in Michigan. David, do you have anything? Yep. Yeah, Leroy. Um, you and I just discussed the other day how important the 19th of this month is. You want to fill the numbers in on that? 19th of this month is when the Electoral College votes. The Electoral College originally was put in the Constitution not to be balancing out between the states because they'd done that with the Senate and the House. The Senate had two senators regardless of size you always have two senators and then you have by population the number of uh, representatives and that's changed you know over the years but it's remained intact at 435 435 for since the the uh, mid 30s 1930s i think they did that and stayed at 435 cents so the, the the number of people inside of that forum the each district has changed over time because it's a fixed number at 435. Uh, so they they really had dealt with that in the legislature. The reason that the Electoral College was put in there is if, if the Electoral College felt that the people of the nation voted against the best interest of the nation in electing somebody, that the Electoral College could overrule popular vote of the people because they always expected it to be a popular vote 
as represented by the Electoral College coming to vote. The purpose was to overrule the popular vote. Well, in this case, we know the popular vote did not go to President Trump. So the Electoral College is fully empowered, empowered to vote different from the way of the people in their district that they represent. They're charged. Go back and read it in the Federalist Papers. Their charge is the best interest of the country. This could be one of the most interesting Electoral College votes of all time in the history of our country. So, is their charge for the best interest of the nation? So we can surmise that he is not president-elect Trump just yet. Well, he is because of the general election. He's not general, truly president-elect until the 19th of December. When the electoral politics. We'll see what happens. We don't know. We're, we don't have any crystal ball or anything, but I've been hearing some rumblings. I know that. And there's a lot of lot of leadership in the Republican Party that did not endorse him. And they have back rooms, too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Having said that, uh, thanks for bringing that up, David. <laughs> we we talk about some of this stuff, you know, between ourselves, and we don't always bring that out to the fore, but thanks for bringing it, David. Appreciate it. Uh, let me ask if either one of you, Jeff, first, uh, do you have anything else to add to the show, regardless of what it no. may be? I think i got David? to off my chest for now. Okay, thank you, Jeff. David? I'm good. You're good. I'm good. I don't need to say any more. Probably said too much already. Uh, having said that, let's uh, close the show. Uh, we're long, so we won't go into too much here. I will just say, you know, listeners, thanks for listening. You're growing every week. If you found value in this show, please just tell one more person. You're hearing things here that you're not hearing pretty much anywhere else in the country. You didn't hear anything about the Electoral College like you just heard anywhere in the country. So uh, just, you know, if you found some value in it, go ahead and tell one more person because it's growing and growing and growing. We appreciate your support. And uh, having said that, oh, our email address, I'll tell you that, workingforaliving at workingforaliving.com if you have any comments, questions, concerns, praise, uh, anger, let us know and we'll, we'll cover you. Um, uh, having said that, listeners, have a good night, a good week. Stay safe and, and warm. Don't, 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 please don't have any accidents. I had enough for all of you this week. Uh, so one was enough. Uh, and uh, I'd like to say good night to Jeff and David. You two stay warm and safe as well. So good night listeners and good night guys. We'll talk to you soon. Good night. Good night. Thanks.